Welcome to the Embrace Church podcast. We exist as a church to relentlessly reach the next person for Jesus. Wherever you're at today, we hope this message encourages you. Let's jump in. So this story, it all started with the people of God, the Israelites, wanting a king of their own. You see, they wanted a king just like all the other nations had. They wanted a king who would lead them, a king that would provide for them. They wanted a king that they would follow. Well, the truth is they didn't need to have a king because they already had God. God was their king. God was already their protector. He was already their provider. God was the one that they could follow. But unfortunately, the people, they were not satisfied with God. And so the Israelites, they began and continued to ask God and beg God. And they they cried out for a king, once again, a king just like everyone else had. How did God respond? Well, even though this broke God's heart because he wanted to be their king, even though this broke God's heart, God finally gave the people what they wanted and he gave them a king named Saul. And Saul, he was tall and handsome. Literally, we're told that Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. Basically, it turns out Saul was bald and he had a beard, okay? I might have seen that in the Hebrew myself. But seriously, though, at first glance, Saul appeared to be perfect. He appeared to be perfect, the the perfect king, just like they had always wanted, and yet he wasn't perfect. You see, it turns out this new king, he was actually a broken man. Saul was arrogant, he was greedy, he was jealous, he was easily angered. On top of it all, he was paranoid as well. And at one very specific moment when the people of God were facing a giant named Goliath and they need someone to lead them, they need someone to protect them, they find out that this new king, he also lacks courage as well. Listen to what we're, we're told on hearing the Philistines' words, on hearing Goliath's words, Saul, the king, and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. Again, the people of God are, are facing a giant and who will step in and lead them? Who will protect them? Who will save them? Well, it turns out it will not be their king. Instead, this is where we are introduced and we meet a young shepherd boy named David. And David, he's the youngest of eight brothers, and he's just a boy. Like David's supposed to be out in the fields with the sheep in the pasture, not in a battlefield facing a giant. Well, again, all the Israelites, including Saul, are scared. They're terrified, but David shows up, and he's not scared at all. And so instead of standing there in fear, like the king even does himself, David grabs five stones. He runs towards the king. He takes one stone and he ends up, ends up killing Goliath. He runs towards this monster and he ends up killing him with one stone. He takes down Goliath and this man is killed. And so Saul, the king, should be happy, right? He should be thankful. Someone killed the giant. Someone rescued the people. Yet instead of being thankful, Saul is jealous. He's jealous. And as David becomes older and stronger and wiser and more powerful and more popular, Saul becomes even more jealous. So jealous that over and over again, Saul tries to kill David. He tries to kill him, yet David never tries to kill Saul, even when he has opportunity after opportunity. Instead, David serves the king. 
as best as he can. He does everything he can to serve the king. Well, years go by, and the situation only gets worse. And Saul becomes even more jealous and more angry, and he keeps trying to kill David to the point that David finally has to leave the country. Then in one final battle, Saul's army is about to lose, and so instead of allowing himself to be captured, Saul decides to end his life by falling on a sword, and he kills himself. And as a result, once again, the Israelites, the people of God, they have no king. They have no king, but they do have David. This right here is where the book of 2 Samuel begins. Before we go any further today, I just want to say welcome to all of you here. We are so excited and thrilled and honored that you've decided to worship here with us. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And again, we are just overjoyed that you've decided to come and be with us today. And today we are kicking off this brand new series going through the book of 2 Samuel, which is a book found in the Bible. And kind of cool, three years ago, we went through the book of 1 Sam. And so today we are picking up and going through the book of 2 Samuel. And to do so, we are giving out 2,000 copies of this book across campuses and network churches. And inside this book is obviously the book of 2 Samuel, along with some of my personal notes, just to help us along as we go throughout this journey. And friends, let's just be honest. The Bible, it can be confusing and the Bible can be over, overwhelming. And I'll just be honest, that's still true for me even yet today. I've had a master's of divinity. I've been a pastor for how long? And yet there's so many times that it is still confusing to me even here today, but our hope with this series is that the words inside of this book will come alive to us. Our hope for this series is that through these words, somehow, some way, God would speak to each and every one of us. And also, our hope is that by the end of this series, going through the book of Samuel will give all of us the courage to begin opening up the Bible on our own whether we've been following Jesus for a long time or we're new to following him, that we would open up these words ourselves. Okay, so again, the people of God, they do not have a king, but they do have David. And David, he's not perfect, but unlike Saul, he is a person of character. And David, he is a leader. He's a warrior. And above all else, David loves and he, and he trusts God with all that he is. Listen to what God says about David. He says, David is a man after his own heart. He's got a, a heart after me is what God says. And so the people of God, they end up making David their new king. And David's kingdom, it grows and it prospers. And David, he fights battle after battle after battle, and he ends up winning them all. Just to make sure this is clear, David isn't just a king, he's a great king. He's a victorious king. He's a courageous king. Why? Because God is with David. And so all of that that I've said so far, it's a lot to take in. And if you're overwhelmed, stick with me. It's a lot to take in, but this brings us to our story for today. 
And so if you have a copy of 2 Samuel, I'm going to invite you to open it up at this time to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. If you need some help, it's on page 36. Just open up your Bible. And I would encourage you each week to bring this back with you so you can mark it up, so you can take some notes. Just to let you know, my goal with this series is just to share the story of 2 Samuel. My goal as your pastor is to step out of the way and allow God and the story itself to speak for itself. So again, David is the king. And in verse one of chapter seven, here is what we are told. After the king was settled into his palace, David, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him. Just to highlight this quick, after everything that's happened, after David is overlooked because he's the youngest of eight, eight brothers, after David kills Goliath, after Saul tries to murder David over and over again, after all these battles have been fought, David is king and God finally gives the Israelites rest. David reaches this pinnacle and the people of God are finally established and secure. So, so David is at this place, and once there, David decides that he's going to build a house for God. Like he's reached this place, and he wants to do a great thing for God by building God a house to live in. Well, how does God respond to what David says? God responds and says, are you the one, David, to build me a house to dwell in? God basically says, um... I don't need a house. <laughs> David, I'm God and you are not. I'm not limited to a specific place. And God's not being angry with David here. He's just saying, as God, I think I'll be okay. And then in verse eight, God goes on to say this to David. He says, David, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. Okay, just to pause here for a moment. Again, the people of God, they're established and they're secure. And as a leader, David has reached this mountaintop. And at this place, God says to David, David, just to make sure this is clear, not very long ago, you were a shepherd boy out in the fields. Do you remember that? Not long ago, you were a shepherd boy out in the pastures. Don't forget, not that long ago, you, you were out in the fields watching sheep and I've made you and I've appointed you as king. To be so clear, David, this isn't what you've done, it's what I've done. And any success you're experiencing, it's because of me, not you. I'm just saying it hasn't been your ability, it's been mine. I can almost hear God saying to David, now that you've reached this place, don't forget where you've been and where I've brought you through. Don't forget where you've been and how far I've brought you. David, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget today, this is what God says to David, but I gotta believe there is someone who needs to hear this as well today. Friend, don't forget where you've been and how far God has brought you. That's true for all of us. Don't forget where you've been. You were out in the pasture watching sheep not that long ago. Don't forget where you've been and how far God has, has brought you. David, don't forget for all of us, don't forget. Don't forget, don't forget. 
Okay, so that's a word that, that some of us might need to hear, but on the flip side of that, I'm guessing that some of us are here, and it's like, so that's nice. <laughs> that's nice, but um, yeah, I, unlike David, I haven't reached the mountaintop yet. You know, like I am like the opposite of established insecure. And so that, that sounds awesome. But if I'm, I'm being honest in my own life right now, things really suck. Okay. Like if I'm just being honest. And so that's great that God did this for David. And that's kind of a cute like Bible story. But what about me? I don't want to be a jerk and ruin this whole series, but what about me? What about me? Because if God is really good, it really doesn't look like things are good in my own life. We, I know we just we got done singing, but I'm kind of honestly in church today, kind of asking where in the H-E double hockey stick is God? Anybody? Friend, if that's you, let me read this part one more time. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Just to remind us, yes, David is now at this place. But up until this point, it's been anything but easy. The opposite of easy. For years, not just one time, for years, someone was trying to murder David. And not some random loser. The king. Saul, let let me help us out. The most powerful person in the nation is trying to murder David for years. And God tells David, that time, I have been with you even then, wherever you have gone. All those years that Saul was trying to murder you, I have been with you that whole time. I just hear God saying, don't forget, I was with you through it all. I was with you at every point, not just now when you've reached this mountaintop, the entire time. When you were running and you were hiding for your very life, I was with you the whole time. Friends, that was David. Maybe today, this is where you are today. If so, friend, I say this as as loving as I can. Don't forget, God is with you through it all. Even now, even now, even right now when things really suck, even right now when you're walking through all this stuff that you're walking through and you feel totally unseen and overlooked. Even now, don't forget, God is with you through it all. So continuing on, God says all that to David. And then listen to what we're we're told in verse 18. Then King David went in and and sat before the Lord. David goes into this place of worship, which at this point is like a tent. And David, he gets on his knees. He gets into a posture of prayer. And once there, God says, uh, David says this to God. David says, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? Who am I? I don't, don't miss this David, this great powerful king. He humbles himself before the Lord. Like even with his body, he gets on his knees before God and he says, who am I? And just to dig into this, when David says, who am I? He's, he's, he's elevating who God is while at the same time he's lowering himself. 
He's elevating God while, while lowering himself. When he says, who am I? He is speaking truth, not only to, to, to God, but also to his own soul that before God, even at this mountaintop, he is king. He's the most powerful person in the nation. Even now, he is a nobody before God. I'm just saying, if I'm David's friend, it's like, no, David, don't say, who are you? You're a giant killer. No, 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 no. You are the opposite. You, you're the last person who should say, who am I? David, you're the only reason legitimately that our, our nation is still here. Like throughout the, the history of our people, David, you're one of the best leaders. Like you're up there with Moses. You're one of the best leaders we've ever had. David, he is him, Right? Cool kids, did I say that properly? Did it, he is him? Is that, I'm working on it, okay? Hear this. David might have been everything before others, but he understood that he was nothing before God. David might have been everything before others, but he understood that he was nothing before, before God. For all of us, Patrick Mahomes, nothing before God, hashtag not Joe Burrow, okay? T. Swift, nothing before God. Elon Musk, nothing before God. Beyonce, our president, nothing before God. Locally, think about any big name, whatever that means. Think about any big name that you can think of. Yes, they might be everything before others, but they are nothing before God, and this includes you and I as well. Before God, you and I, we are nothing in comparison to him. And, and friends, this is so important for us to hear. This right here is David's secret sauce. Why has God brought him to this place? Because this, it's a secret sauce. Like the Lord keeps blessing David because David might've been everything before others, but he understood that he was nothing before God. I'm just saying for all of us, regardless of where we are in life right now, whether we have much or little, whether we're at the top of society or the bottom, whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we have much, much or little, whatever it is, when we, when we stay on our knees, when we continue to humble ourselves before God and before others, when we have a very, very clear understanding of where we are before God, like when we know in our heart of hearts and not just in our heart of hearts, but also in our words, in our actions, in our lives as a whole, that any good, any success, any security that has come our way has been God and not us. This is the heart that God gets behind. This is the person that God honors. This is the person that God raises up. This is the life that God moves through. I'm just saying, do you want God to bless you? Do you want God to be a part of every aspect of your life? If so, then stay before God and properly understand that before him, you are nothing. In comparison to God, Nothing. With this, I, I want to go back a few verses earlier and look at what God says to David. Like, because David has stayed humble before God, in verse 12, listen to what God says. David, when your days are over, 
and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 16, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Okay, so just to to highlight this, do you remember earlier when when David told God that he wanted to build a house for God? Do you remember when when David says, God, I want to do this great thing. I want to build you a house to live in. Well, at this moment, God totally flips this and he says, David, no, actually, because of the way that you faithfully followed me, because of the way that you've honored me, I'm actually going to build a house for you. I'm going to build a house for you and not just a house. I'm going to build your kingdom. And David, this house and this kingdom that I'm going to build, it's not just going to last for a few years or even a few generations. Hear this, David, I'm going to establish it forever. Seriously, just imagine if your business, if God told you your business, it's going to last forever. Or maybe for you, it's your family farm. Can you imagine if God came to your family farm and told your dad, it's not just going to last for one generation and then be sold to somebody else. No, this family farm of yours, it's going to be in your family forever. The thing you're passionate about, it's going to be, it's going to be there forever. This church called Embrace, it's going to be here forever. I, I can't, I, I can't comprehend if God said this. And yet this is what God says to David, your house and your kingdom, I'm establishing them forever. Okay, so now maybe you're sitting here thinking, I don't want to sound like a terrible person. <laughs> well, why should I care? Like, I, like, I don't know David and I, I, he's been dead for a long time, is that correct? And I didn't know I was going to get to this like church history lesson. Like this is great or something. Uh, again, I don't want to sound like a heathen, but seriously, like why should I care about any of this? I'll just confess and be honest. I actually asked myself the same question this week. As I was working on like, why does this really matter for me? Let me, let me read this one part again, though. Again, God tells David, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Okay, so God sa- says this, which might still sound like gibberish to most of us, and yet hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, after David is dead and he is gone, the people of God are once again waiting for a king. They're wanting a king, and And so they're waiting and they're waiting and generation after generation is waiting and waiting and waiting. That is until one day there's an angel that comes to this young girl that you've maybe heard named Mary. And just listen to what this angel says to her. The angel says, he, Jesus, will be great. And he'll be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign how long? Forever. And his kingdom will never end. Just listen to this one part again. And and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign forever. Do you you see this? When this this angel comes to Mary, what, what this angel says to her, it is the fulfillment of what God promised to David. Hundreds and hundreds of years 
earlier, this is what God was talking about when he was talking to, to, to David. Like this, this promise, it fully comes true in, in Jesus. God was talking to David about Jesus. And this, this promise to David, it doesn't just come true in Jesus, but it also continues on through Jesus. Like more than the kingdom of David or the message about David, the, the message in the kingdom of Jesus, it starts in Bethlehem and then it goes to Jerusalem. And then it goes to, to Rome and to, to Europe and to Asia and to Africa. And it goes all around the world and it continues on to all of us right here today. Like so far, this promise between God and David, it continues on right now as we speak. It's, it's still true. It's still true. Again, though, but why does this matter? Why does this matter? Well, here's why this matters. Because all kings and kingdoms will rise and fall, but Jesus is king forever. Help me understand. Like, why is this important to me? Because all kings and kingdoms will rise and fall, but Jesus is king forever. Friends, long before we existed, Jesus is king. And just like David, long after we are here, Jesus is king. And even closer to home and more, more personal today right now, regardless of what you're facing, regardless of what you're walking through, whether things are in life are great or things in life right now totally suck. Whether work is going well for you or it's not for whatever reason, whether your family has never been better or it's a train wreck. Whether, whether you're healthy or right now, you or someone you love is staring death in the face. Jesus is king. And I don't know about you, but when so much in life is constantly changing, and when it just feels like there's so many things outside of our control, in our country, in our family, in our private lives. I don't know about you, but I'm just so grateful that Jesus is constant. That he's unchanging. That he's trustworthy. I'm so grateful that Jesus is king and he will be king forever. All kings and kingdoms will rise and fall. Jesus is king forever. Thank God. And so again, Jesus is king, right? And with this, the one question that I want us to consider, honestly, for every one of us, myself included, is Jesus, your king. Really? Like, is he really your king? Is he your king? Is he your king? Are you, are you following him wholeheartedly? I'm not asking, do you go to church or you check a box? Are you following him with everything that you are? Are you surrendered before him? Like David, are you, are you living your life in, the, in his presence? Before him, living a life where it's like, God, my only desire is to honor you. 
Maybe there's a part of you where it's like, yes, Jesus is king of this part of my life, but he's, he's not king right now of, of this area. Jesus is king. Is he your king? Is he yours? And so today, this brings us through 2 Samuel chapter 7. And at this point, David and the people of God, they're at peace with all the other nations around them. They're at rest. They've reached this place. They are secure. They are established finally. And David has stayed humbled before God and and God has blessed him in ways that David can't imagine. Seriously, everything is going so well. And it's just like, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go, go wrong? Well, friends, this crown here that represents 2 Samuel, it is broken for a reason. This symbol, this icon that's been used for generations to represent 2 Samuel, it is broken for a reason. And next week, you're going to want to come back to find out why it is. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you thankful for who you are. And as we open up this book, which I'll just acknowledge is a little bit confusing at times and it feels like it's totally irrelevant from our lives, I'm so thankful that you continue to speak. Jesus, you are king. That's like the greatest news. You're king over our families. You want to be king over our nation. You want to be king over our workplaces, our finances. You want to be king. The only question is, do we want you to be king? You want to be king over our relationships, our our parents, you, want, you just want to be king over all of it. But do we want you? Jesus, today, would you, two things, would you help us to not forget where you've brought us from? Specifically, if we're at that, that place of being established and secure, would we never forget all the things that you carried us through? And then for those of us who are right now at a place in life that we don't want to be at, it feels so unsteady underneath us and uncertain and there's so many questions would you just speak to us right now remind us lord that you are with us always even now lord we're so grateful for you we're thankful that that you are king and you are king forever we love you we pray all these things in the name of jesus all god's people said amen amen well i'm gonna change gears here for just a second at the end. Um, today, before we end our time, I want to share some, some very exciting news with all of you. Uh, back at the start of 2022, we spent three months and we researched other churches across the country just to learn from them and, and hear what's working from them, what's, what's not. And one of the main things we were told legitimately by every single church we talked with is if you have multiple locations, to make sure there isn't a second-rate facility where there's one campus that's awesome and it's like, oh, that's the place to be. If you're going to go to Embrace, go go to that campus and then the others are not so much. Well, as you know, we've expanded our 57th Street campus, which has been great. I, I, I just can't believe this is a long weekend from school and yet just the people here, it's awesome. We also have the new amazing building going up in T. Travis, the T camp was faster than I just walked through on Thursday. It is looking amazing. 
with our Sertoma campus, we've just continued to be praying about Sertoma. And I'll be honest, since announcing a year or so ago the changes at 57th Street along with the changes at T, I've had multiple Sertoma families ask me, would we ever get a better space for Sertoma? They were basically saying what those churches were, were, were telling us. In addition to this, the lease for our Sertoma campus ends next year and there's a strong possibility that there isn't an option to extend it even if we wanted to. Now, as a campus, God is moving at Sertoma in wonderful ways. Jacob and the team there are so solid. By the way, I've never been more proud to be a part of the team that is currently at our church. I mean, amazing. Sertoma is no different. This campus has continued to grow. This Christmas was the largest Christmas services ever at Sertoma with just under 900 people. And so myself and our leadership, we've just been praying about next steps for Sertoma. And it's just like, God, what are we gonna do? Like, honestly, what are we gonna do specifically if we can't re-up the lease? Well, today, I am thrilled to share that three weeks ago, we purchased a new building for our Sertoma campus. And friends, it's gorgeous, uh, I can't believe it. Again, on Thursday, I walked through it myself and I, yeah, we can, we can put that up. That's something to celebrate. <laughs> on Thursday, I walked through the space and it's like, this is incredible. The space is more than double the square footage of our current location. The building is just over five years old. It has a sanctuary that sits at least 500 people. The kids area, specifically for our e-kids, it's a huge step up. There's all kinds of classrooms, tons of space for youth and groups during the week. Location-wise, it's just west of I-29, right off of, of 12th Street there, which is exactly where we want to be on the west side of Sioux Falls. Financially speaking, the building is a solid financial investment. Relatively speaking, it is a minimal financial step moving them from a place that we lease that we may not even be able to lease long-term to having a space that we own. I'll be honest, it is a step of faith for us, but I also want to share that we had a family step up that doesn't even attend Sertoma, and in a huge way, they are helping to make this location possible, which is incredible. And we just continue to be blown away by the faithfulness of God. As always, our lead team, which is a group of non-staff leaders in our church, they've been a part of this entire process, and they are unanimously behind it. And so when is this happening? Well, the plan is to have kickoff Sunday at this new space on Mother's Day of this year in May. Um, And just to say it again, I genuinely cannot believe this. Very soon, we are going to have three beautiful, amazing homes for campuses. If you're newer to the church, as a church, our 10-year goal is to reach 5% of Sioux Falls, And I always tell people that sounds like a very, very empty number and a very empty purpose. That is until someone that you love is in that 5%. And then it becomes the most important goal to tell a friend, a family member, a neighbor about Jesus. When it comes to this new home, I have no doubt that it is going to help us reach this goal on the west side of Sioux Falls. Again, I'm so excited about this new space. I'll be sharing more in the weeks to come, specifically more of our heartbeat and our our thoughts about where we are as a church and where we are headed. But we wanted to let you know uh, as soon as possible. And thank you, Lord, for continuing to be so kind and faithful to this imperfect church. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to have you join us in person at one of our locations. You can find out more at IamEmbrace.com.